Two years ago, when we talked about the future of work, it seemed like an abstract idea. And then somehow, some way, we pivoted, what, 40% of the U.S. workforce to work from home in a week or so? That's just pretty amazing. Honestly, I expected my quality of life to get better because of not commuting. What I didn't expect is that I'd actually build better relationship with some colleagues. There were so many people I never got to say goodbye to because now they're no longer with the company. What I didn't anticipate is the grief. We all feel a sense of loss in one form or another. The other day, I was on a Teams call and all four boys decided to come in. And then one of the boys piped up, who's your boss? And I pointed to the screen and one of the boys said, yeah, he looks like a boss. But this shift, this evolution, it's only just beginning. I think we're all on the cusp of something that's coming, and I think intellectually we understand it, but I don't think we've internalized it. And that is to the point where we're going to have AI wingmen and women. What we're going to see in the work environment, certainly in the next 18 to 32 months, is that we're going to begin having digital coworkers, and they're going to enable us to have this virtual assistance in near real time. And I think that the implications are incredibly exciting and, you know, a little unsettling. Welcome to Future Enterprise, a brand new podcast series from the thought leaders at IDC. I'm your host, Joe Pucciarelli, Group Vice President and IT Executive Advisor. On this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the future of work with some perspective from a company that most people would probably tend to associate with stretching out and relaxing after a long day at work, Lazy Boy. Full disclosure, I have three cherished pieces of Lazy Boy furniture in my home. IDC defines the future of work framework as a fundamental change of the work model to one that fosters human-machine collaboration, enables new skills and worker experiences, and supports an intelligent and dynamic environment unbounded by time or physical space. And one of the people helping keep IDC at the forefront of this shift is Research Vice President and Future of Work Practice Lead, Holly Muscolino. Holly, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Joe. Thanks for the opportunity. Holly, you lead an international team of interdisciplinary analysts that look at how the market is evolving and the implications of that evolution. We've seen massive disruptions due to the pandemic, but many of the trends were already well-established before the lockdowns began. What have you and your team observed that was perhaps counterintuitive or unexpected? Well, you know, when the shift to remote work first happened, there were a lot of concerns about employee productivity. And some of these weren't new. So even before the pandemic started, workers struggled with just too many applications and too many content types and too many data types that they needed just to get through their day. And so there was a lot of context switching. And, and we all know that Every time you have to change your focus, there's a hard cost to your productivity. They struggled with collaborating both internally and externally. And there were even struggles with lack of effective remote access. All of these things, of course, were front and center when the pandemic hit. Um, but of course, it was a whole new set of challenges to remote workers. They struggled to get effective IT support. Some of them had to learn to use new tools. And of course, there's a whole new set of distractions when you're working from home, as, as we heard in one of those audio clips just now. 
I mean, and we saw a lot of this in the mainstream media. Everyone was writing about the impact to productivity. Well, let's fast forward till the end of August. And we just ran a new poll at IDC. And we asked our respondents, what are the benefits of remote work? And so, of course, there was what you would expect, that it was uh, conducive to employee health. It was great for employee experience. But one thing we were just so surprised to see, worker productivity, improved worker productivity was seen as a top benefit of remote work. Holly, you know, you gave us some sense of the huge amount of changes. I want to just kind of connect two points. You know, in that opening montage, we had the employee who was was faced with having, you know, four children come into the room when he was on the phone. The sense I have is that there's more of a sense of of forgiveness and tolerance and understanding among colleagues, you know, even across companies than we had just a few years ago relative to some of these interruptions. Are you seeing that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one way that's bringing us closer together when we're not physically together. We're, we're seeing what each other's offices look like and pets and children. You know, in some way, it's a blend of work and home that might be a little discomforting for some, but I think in many cases, it's bringing people together. It's it's that touch of humanity that we're all missing when we're out of the office. I think that's that's pretty cool because once again, it's it's the the human spirit transcends the technology. So definitely interesting. So Holly, are you seeing a difference between organizations that have started to embrace change before the pandemic hit? and those that were caught off guard and left scrambling? Certainly, anecdotally, we've heard of several cases where organizations told us that they they almost didn't miss a beat, that almost overnight their workforce was remote, and the next day it was, it was business as usual. And interestingly, in our latest biweekly survey, over 50% of organizations that had longer-term investment plans and a digital transformation strategy in place before the pandemic were already farther along on their recovery. And they were making investments for what comes next, for that next phase. What types of technology and infrastructure have proven to be the most important to organizations as they've made this pivot? I mean, there's certainly the most obvious ones, secure access to remote resources through VPN and virtualization, and of course, the ability to collaborate through video conferencing and team collaborative tools. But it was interesting, we had a couple other aha moments. One of the things we saw actually very early in the onset of the pandemic was that all of a sudden folks realized that if they needed to get documents signed, they could no longer get that wet signature. And if you think about how many documents, contracts and invoices and other things require a signature to keep business running, this was a big deal. And we saw the growth of that e-signature market just skyrocket. Organizations that had thought of e-signature as sort of a nice to have and they would get to it eventually, all of a sudden needed to do it. The other thing that I heard more recently that also had never occurred to me, you know, at, at IDC, we do a lot of our work digitally, but many organizations still depend on physical mail. Think about all the people who still prefer to send their checks in for bills. And so the digitization of mail suddenly 
became a bigger business. Going forward, we think the real game changer is going to be what we're calling this intelligent digital workspace. And this is a workspace that not only is personalized for the worker, but is completely independent of a specific place or time. And it provides a consistent experience for all workers, whether they're remote, whether they're on site, whether they're in the field, or what we really expect to see going forward is this hybrid mix of all of those, where sometimes they're at home and sometimes they're they're at a physical facility and they need to be have that personal business continuity as they move between locations. So, you know, Holly, you just brought up a, a wonderful cross, which is you talked about physical mail and you talked about electronic documents in, in, you know, in one thought. And it, it just reminds me of a, a situation where I was working with uh, one of our CIO clients. And, you know, he brought up a situation where he had been working with the accounts payable department for years to get them to adopt digital payments. And they just categorically refused to adopt it. They wanted to continue to print physical checks, use the check signing machine and mail the checks. When all those employees got sent home, they went to the digital check process because they couldn't bring the check signing machine home into anybody's living room. So it brings up a great point that sometimes these technologies are here before our colleagues and our employees want to actually adopt them and implement them. Yeah, another actual story that I read that I think it was uh, related to oil drilling and there was the ability to actually find sites remotely and they could have folks sit at a remote terminal, but they didn't trust the technology. They preferred to have the people on site. Once a pandemic hit, They brought everybody back to these remote terminals and they were able, again, to continue with their business. So the technology was there and it just needed that impetus to get them to use it. Exactly like the story you just told with the check writing. We've just gone from digital payments in an office with a check signing machine, no longer needing a check signing machine to an oil field. Let's talk about what you're seeing offshore. Are you seeing differences in how the future of work is evolving here in the U.S. versus outside the U.S.? We absolutely see differences, differences by region and in some cases, country by country. It partly has to do with the cultural and political environment of the country, but it also has to do with, well, certainly the stage they are at the pandemic and also the various laws of that country. You know, we see in some cases, for example, Asia Pacific, where there's very close living quarters and workers are actually anxious to return to the office. There's an impetus to return to the office. In some industries, of course, there's a requirement to be on site. In some industries, it's easier to have remote work. So it really varies considerably, not only by region, but also by specific vertical industry. Thanks for this, Holly. I have some more questions for you, so sit tight. But right now, I want to shift gears and speak with some folks who are on the front lines of this unprecedented workplace pivot. Working from home has definitely been a transition with both my wife and I working from the house and having now two boys in first and third grade having a completely virtual curriculum as well. On top of this, we decided it made most sense probably to have a pod school at our house, so we added an additional two boys to the mix. One of the other boys asked what their dad did for work, and my son replied, he's on a Zoom call all day. 
That's Chris Cressman, an IT business relationship manager at Lazy Boy, just one of the millions of people around the world whose work has been disrupted by the pandemic. For some insight on how the company navigated these uncharted waters, I'm joined now by Lazy Boy's Vice President and Chief Information Officer, David Bean. David, thank you for joining us, and how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Joe. I look forward to the conversation. So, David, when the lockdowns first began, what was the response and the outcome for you and your colleagues? Yeah, so think about mid-March and where we were. We moved approximately 1,500 employees remote. Setting up that virtual environment was something that we had to do very quickly. As Holly mentioned before, though, we were lucky in one, one sense. We had just rolled out Microsoft Teams, and so we were very lucky in the fact that we had the technology capability. What we didn't have, though, was we didn't have everyone trained on it. I can't say what Holly said, that it went seamlessly. We didn't miss a beat. But quite honestly, we moved people home. They had the technology in front of them. Uh, We had VPNs, so we had a secure way of doing it. Now, the one point I always like to make, when we moved everyone home and they didn't really know the technology yet, they just embraced it. So I give a lot of credit to the team here at Lazy Boy. Back in the day, pre-COVID, If we would have tried to implement new technology the way we did this time, there would have been an uproar. People would have said, stop messing with my process, stop messing with my technology. The other things we did is we set up a virtual help desk. At Lazy Boy in our world headquarters, you can walk up to a desk when we're all here and there's someone constantly sitting there, one or two people, and you get your issue fixed really quickly. So now we have a virtual one. And the people just responded really well. That's a, that's a great story, David. I, I appreciate you sharing it with us. You know, in that opening montage, one of your uh, employees uh, spoke about a sense of loss and, and you know, missing colleagues. Have you implemented any social aspects with the uh, virtual technology to allow your employees to maintain those personal relationships? Yeah. Now, I'll just speak from the, from the IT team's perspective. We've done a few of those things because... People weren't going out. People weren't socializing. You weren't going to restaurants. You weren't going to your friend's house. And so you had that sense of loss. So just like in our personal life, we all started getting on Microsoft Teams, our Zoom calls, and we did a couple different things. One is I thought it was really important that we over-communicated with our teams. So instead of having quarterly all-staff meetings, I was doing weekly all-staff Microsoft Team meetings just to talk to people, just to let them know we're here, just so that they could understand we're all in this together. So we did that. And then after a while, we decided, well, let's make these a little bit more fun. And so we did a crazy shirt day. I mean, we started to, and I know some of the other teams had Microsoft team happy hours and things like that, because it was really important to us that we did keep that personal touch with our team. So, you know, David, as Holly mentioned earlier, the pandemic may have accelerated the pace of change, but we were already well on our way to embracing the future of work before COVID. Coming up, we'll focus on what the months and years ahead may hold. We'll also share some actionable advice for CIOs and business leaders. So stay with us. You're listening to Future Enterprise, a new podcast from the thought leaders at IDC, focused on how data technology are reshaping the workplace, applied intelligence, and software. I'm your host, Joe Pucciarelli. If you're enjoying this conversation, please subscribe or like wherever you download your podcasts. And to find a vast array of digital strategies for business and technology leaders, visit idc.com or follow us 
on Twitter at IDC. Today, we're talking about the future of work with my guests, Holly Muscolino, IDC's Research Vice President and Future of Work Practice Lead, and David Bean, Vice President and CIO at Lazy Boy. We've been looking at where we are and where we might be headed next. We can all choose to lean in or not, but what's unfortunate is this technology is unevenly distributed for the people who choose not to lean in. You also feel more distant from them, too. That's Neil Tomby a strategy and analytics manager at Lazy Boy. Neil makes a great point. He talks about technology not being uniform across different parts of the world, different technologies, different companies. David, what's your thoughts on that? That's a great question. I think it's a question we're all kind of asking ourselves right now. You know, because if you think about it, it's it's evolving every day. And the, the situation's so fluid. I see a future that Holly touched upon where there's this technology, this personalized technology that allows you to work from your office, from your home, from a separate location. And so I see it as being a, a very hybrid approach moving forward. Again, I don't, none of us really have a crystal ball as to what it might look like, but I do believe the hybrid approach is where everyone's heading. Holly, any thoughts on Lazy Boy's approach and how it relates to the greater trends you're watching? You know, I think they're doing a lot of the right things. The only thing I would add that I think we tend to forget a lot is that this new hybrid workforce will also require a new leadership style. We need to retrain both our senior management and our mid-managers to be able to, to manage differently when not everybody is going to be on site. We need to switch to a much more outcome-focused style. Yeah, I actually think uh, that is one of our bigger concerns. You know, it's funny, back in the day, a few years ago, we would talk about a digital divide as being who has broadband and internet and who doesn't. Now I think we're going to be talking about that same thing. I thought maybe we had bridged that gap, but now I think it's going to become more evident as to who has the resources, the capability to have this technology. And I think that's something that the CIO community needs to take very seriously. Yeah, and technology will support that. You know, when we talk about this intelligent digital workspace, what's really the secret sauce there is the analytics and the analytics that are, you know, that that are much more sophisticated than the more transactional analytics we have today. There are much more strategic analytics that look across all layers of the workspace and it can provide some of this outcome specific data that we need. Yeah, because I, you know, I think Holly raised a great point. I think what we're seeing across the board too, and I've talked to a lot of my CIO peers around the country and around the world, is that everybody's trusting their teams more. And I think that trust is being built on the data that we're all looking at. We're looking at the outcomes. I think that's really one of the great benefits we're seeing because of the pandemic and this work from home thing that we're doing now. And the funny thing on that, Holly, is we had a lot of that data prior to COVID, right? <laughs> and we looked at some of it, but not all of it. And now we're taking a fresh look at it and saying, wow, look at this. This can really tell us a lot and help us do what we need to do next in the most effective and efficient way. You know, David, one of the, the challenges, and we touched on it a moment ago, we talked about the hybrid organization when we have some folks physically in the main headquarters or offices, and we have some folks at home and the complexities that that asymmetry creates. Is that something you're coping with? Is that something that you're tracking and you've got metrics and KPIs to actually try to assess? I wouldn't say we're assessing that. What I would say that we're doing is that 
I think you're seeing us look at data in a new way. We had this data, but now we're looking at it more intently. We're trying to see, are we as productive as we were pre-COVID? And has, how has the hybrid work environment changed that? You know, it's changing every day. And I have a great saying, I like to tell people all the time, engage, act, and adjust. And I think that's what we're doing every day. And I think you're seeing a lot of benefits from that. So David, I suspect you're thinking about some of these future technologies and future approaches. What are you thinking about for your next phase? Well, Holly brought it up. We're all looking at, you know, how do we have secure collaboration through tools that will allow for people to work in a hybrid way that are secure, that are easy to use, that people can access easily to do their work every day. If you think about it, we're all on this journey together and I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited to be part of this. It's really IT and the leadership role running down the path. And I, I'm just thrilled that we're doing this. That's great, David. Thank you. Holly, do you think other companies are ready for that next phase? What do you think they need to do that they aren't? Oh, that's a great question. You know, of course, there's probably companies all across the spectrum from those who are still just trying to keep the business running to, as I said, the, those that are already starting to plan for the future. I think that organizations that are still struggling need to stop. They need to do exactly what David just said. They need to stop. They need to take stock of where they are. They need to understand those gaps. And then they need to plan for the future. And I think that the main point here is not just to repair things so you go back to where things were in 2019. There's a real opportunity here to come back even stronger. You may recall at the very beginning of this, when we were talking about challenges, one of the biggest challenges we heard about pre-COVID was the whole idea of context switching. These workspaces can be more intelligent and personalized and deliver the resources that that specific worker needs to get their job done. You know, and in terms of timeline, David talked about how it, things change every day. I mean, the only thing we could definitively say 100% is that things will not be the way they were before. You know, another thing is the technology itself will be there. I heard someone say, and I say it all the time now too, the IT decade's 18 months. So in 18 months from now, we're going to be using technology we it's maybe not even existed yet today. So I think what we can't do is lose sight on the fact that our team members, you know, are human beings. And how do we look at processes and, and how do we work with them so that they can adapt to work easily? Because this hybrid approach is going to, it's going to be stressful. There's going to be anxiety around that. So how do we work with them? And I think working with our, our chief HR representatives, our, our chief HROs is going to be key moving forward. I can't underscore how important they are. The technology will be there, but the people themselves, we can't lose sight of them. You know, David, I think that's a very powerful insight, the need to, to keep our employees and our colleagues in mind. But I'd like to go back to my statement at the start of the episode where we're going to start seeing digital coworkers in the near future. Holly, I, for one, welcome the help. How close are we to that? You know, even before the pandemic started, we started to see technologies such as AI and robotics and intelligent process automation playing a larger, larger role. And so even before the pandemic, we started to talk about these digital co-workers contributing a larger percentage. 
At the same time, we started to see a lot written in the mainstream media, you know, a lot of doom and gloom, the robots are coming, they're going to take your jobs and so on and so forth. I think what we've seen and, and our research has, has also indicated this, that in many cases, these technologies don't replace humans. They augment the capabilities of humans. And it allows those humans to offload those mundane, repetitive tasks and focus on higher value tasks, which allows them to not only have a better experience, but also drive innovation. I have to tell you, you know, we we started by, you know, talking about how some of our, our colleagues struggle to react to the changes we heard about a sense of loss. Uh, we talked about some of the asymmetry in terms of the various communities. Now we're talking about digital coworkers. It sounds like there's an awful lot of change on the horizon, an awful lot. So as we approach the end of our time together, I want to challenge you both to come up with a central piece of advice or a lesson for our listeners to take away from this conversation. I call it the lightning round, and I'm going to give you each 30 seconds. Holly, starting with you. Well. Organizations need to develop a long-term vision to their workplace. The hybrid workforce is the new reality. Instead of reacting to that, they need to embrace it. It's all about agility. You know, we know that our traditional organizations and metrics and policies and infrastructure are too static. So organizations really need to focus on building that flexibility and being able to adapt. And finally, and David mentioned this before, they need to engage collaboratively. IT needs to work very closely with not only HR, but facilities as people come back to the office and operations. It's all going to be a team effort. Okay, David, now it's your turn. What's the moral of the story here? Yeah, I think one of the things we're going to find out is that we are going to be doing things that we weren't doing before the pandemic that we have found out that are far more effective and efficient. And I think you were going to do things that we thought we, you know, we'll do during the pandemic and then we'll stop. Well, guess what? I think we found better ways of doing things because of the pandemic. And we're going to continue to do those. Let me give you an example. We have something called in-home design program here at Lazy Boy. We have these awesome designers in our retail stores. You would set up a schedule. You go meet with them. They may come to your house. They would do a look at your, look at your floor plan and they would help you design a beautiful room or a beautiful home. Well, think about COVID-19. Couldn't do that, could you? So what we decided to do is do it virtually. And I actually wanted to see it firsthand. So I did it myself. And we did a Zoom call. We gave her our floor plans. She came back and another Zoom call gave me this outstanding floor plan, three different options for my home. Now, we did go to the store once just to touch and sit and feel. But I'll tell you, I don't think we'll ever get away from virtual in-home design sessions now. They're effective. They're efficient. And so I think we're going to be doing a lot of things going on towards the future that we weren't doing before COVID. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you, David. You know, for me, I think one of the counterintuitive lasting effects of this whole experience is that agility will become a more central part of our organization's culture. It seems kind of counterintuitive that sending people home improved our agility. And that, folks, may be the the final point on the future of work, a more agile, a more flexible, a more productive, a less tedious work environment, a very exciting future. 
My guests today have been Holly Muscolino, Research Vice President, the Future of Work Practice Lead here at IDC, and David Bean, the Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Lazy Boy. Thanks, Joe. This has been a great conversation. Thanks, Joe. Great talking to you. I'm Joe Pucciarelli, and this is Future Enterprise, brought to you by IDC. Join us next time for a special roundtable discussion on the future of intelligence, featuring the CIO of one company that's undergone a transformation change in the way it gathers, analyzes, and applies data and analytics. So long for now. 